0: Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Kendall Smith, and here's a bit about Kendall. Kendall Smith was a corporate, no, was a complete rookie when he became a dad, welcoming his giant baby boy, Connor. Not only was Kendall a rookie at being a father, but he was also a rookie because he had little experience with his own dad having been raised by a single mom. So to understand how to parent successfully, he spoke to many role models about fatherhood. The lessons he learned as a rookie father are collected in his book, Rookie Father, subtitled, A Playbook for Men Experiencing Fatherhood for the First Time. The work is available to order via bookshop.org, indiebound.org, and other mass online retailers. It was released by Familius Publishing in February, and Rookie Father has garnered 12 endorsements to date, and it is rated 4.8 stars on Amazon. So without further ado, please welcome Kendall Smith to GEMS Podcast.
1: Thanks, Jess. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: My pleasure, Kendall. So we're going to start with either a fun game. I'm going to give you two options. We could do a rapid fire game or we can break the ice up front. Which would you like to do?
1: Let's do the rapid question game. I like that.
0: Awesome. So you want to play it now or you want to just play it at the end? Let's do it now. Okay, awesome. So question one, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
1: Oh, I got a cool one. And I thought about this years ago. Um, The ability to speak any language spoken on planet Earth. So I could talk to anyone.
0: Ooh, that's super cool. And no one has said that. So you're definitely the first. All right. Two, dream car.
1: Dream car. Oh, my God. Porsche Boxster convertible with an electric engine. I'm not going gas anymore. I'm done.
0: (laughs) Three. If you could go anywhere in the world, money was no option, but here's the caveat, you may not be able to make it back home. Where would it be?
1: I would go scuba diving, I guess alone, because if I can't come back, I guess that implies that I'm going to die, but I've done a lot of scuba diving over the years. It's a great hobby, and I would go to probably Indonesia and do one big blowout, two months of diving all over the South Pacific.
0: Okay. Four. If you if you could have anything in the world, money was no option. What would it be?
1: I'd say world peace, because that's. I think every um. I think a lot of people wish for that. I guess, I guess it would be um. Probably greater, greater honesty in. And greater education so that everyone is a little more educated, a little more wise and a little more uh, understanding of of how the world works and do it in a a more civil way.
0: Okay, I like the substance behind that. Five, if you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Patience. Patience.
1: I was a very impatient young man. I was very, maybe too ambitious, maybe too hard on myself. And just to remind myself, life is long, you know, just take it one day at a time and live in the moment.
0: Six, favorite food.
1: Oh my God, it's impossible. I would say steak, a perfectly cooked steak, baked potato, and some, maybe some grilled corn on the cob or something. Summer's coming, so I'm ready for it.
0: (laughs) Seven, favorite color.
1: Orange, no question.
0: Eight. If you could recreate your wedding day, would you change anything?
1: Not a thing. It was perfect. It was perfect. We had a great day. It was awesome. It was we had a wonderful time. So I'm not changing a darn thing.
0: <laughs> Nine. In your bio, you said you're big baby boy Connor. <laughs> why why did you preface big baby boy?
1: When he was born, he was 8.4 pounds. And he actually had what looked like developed deltoids, shoulder muscles. And about 10 minutes after he was born, we nicknamed him Connor the Barbarian. <laughs> and he's a big boy. He's going to be 6'1", 6'2". So he's got, um, I think, a very a brighter and taller future than his dad ever had.
0: Nice. Do you only have one son?
1: One and done. That was it. We just fell in love and we were happy and content and we're sticking with that
0: okay and then 10 you could pass or play but here are the rules if you play i ask one last question if you pass you could ask me a question about myself okay what Uh, are you gonna do i'll take the question okay 10 say you were on an exotic island they gave you limited funds what are you buying
1: before i get to the island or am i going there
0: No, you're already at the island, but you have limited funds. Fishing pole. Fishing pole. Okay. Fishing
1: pole. Gotta fish, right? Gotta catch, gotta get sustenance.
0: (laughs) I like that. So thank you, Kendall, for playing Rapid Fire. It definitely allows myself and the audience and viewers to know you a little bit better. So let's dive into the rookie and fatherhood. So we're gonna build up to you coming coming out with your book. So in order for us to build up there, I need to know a little bit more about who Kendall is. So what was it like growing up in a house where you just saw your mom and you didn't have that father figure? And do you think that it played a huge impact on your life?
1: It played a significant role. And the interesting thing was when my parents separated, I was six years old. And by the time I was eight, I started to look at, other father figures, other role models. And I started to look at them because I knew one day I was going to be a father and I wanted to be one at a young age. And I wanted to give a better experience to my children. And without that father figure, without a playbook, I really took a deep dive on um, what it meant to be a great parent. I learned good examples and I also took note of bad examples. And what I tried to do as a parent, as an author, is to try to provide the best advice that I learned, which literally started at eight years old all the way until the book I published.
0: Wow. So did you um, check off the box of being a young father?
1: No, I was an older father. I was about 41 when my son was born. And uh, I was 42, actually. So we were we were slightly older parents. And in the book, I actually have a chapter about when you're a young dad, you have all this energy and you have no patience. And when you're um, an older dad, your energy is TBD but you have lots of more patience that you can offer to your child. So it's, it's important for older dads to be fit and in shape to keep up with their kids and for younger dads to, to really promote and embrace patience so they're a better parent to their kids.
0: Just, to, just for them to be well-rounded and not everything, go, 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 go. Because then I think you miss out a lot on your kid's life.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. You've got to be there every day. Have some presence every day. Even if it's a small senior child to sleep, it's important to have that.
0: Did you ever have resentment towards your father, even though he was there up until you were six, before him and your mom separated?
1: Well, after they separated, my father moved to Florida. So he was 2,000 miles away. After I was probably from the age of nine to 12, I was flying down solo, which you you could still do. But when you're flying down solo to see your father and spending two or three weeks at most a year with him, at least that bomb was there. And then... My father, um, he remarried, had two children, and then he cut off child support. And that's when the bitterness started to stick and it burned. And it was painful to see my mother go through that. And I experienced it firsthand. And I give financial advice in the book Rookie father. Um, but I also, for me personally, when my son was born, it was the greatest reset button I've ever had in life. It's just like, okay, it's a new, it's a fresh slate, fresh take. It's important to embrace fatherhood with a new and healthy perspective.
0: And thank you for sharing that, because having your father remarry and have another family, and him cut off child support—it's almost like he was saying, "Oh, I have replacements," and he alienated you. So, was that your feeling? Did you feel like you were unwanted, unloved, or et cetera? I
1: don't know if it was unwanted. That's that's kind of harsh because we we did get we did get in touch with other a, a, a few more times after that. But I think just seeing what my mom went through and how let down she was, that really affected me. And as far as my personal perspective, um, it really evolved after I became a father and knowing I was going to be there. and knowing my son would never have to go through this. And that's kind of the saving grace when you're a new father and you're raised in absence of one and you're giving a better experience to your children.
0: So how long um, did it take you to formulate the idea that you wanted to write a book to help other men who went through something similar to you or maybe their father didn't leave, maybe they just never had a relationship with their father or their father died at a young age or whatever the case may be because there's so many dynamics for a child not to have the father. and We can't just pinpoint it on one because it's different with every person.
1: It is and it's regardless of the background of an absent father, not knowing your father, early death, um, when you are baptized as a new father, there's no going back. And you have to start kind of embrace the role you're given. It's true. It's when you think about parenthood, it's truly adulthood. You're responsible for the life of another child. So the mission of the book, what I did was I was always, I had written fiction for years prior. I have a couple books that, that are still out. Vault 2112, which is a, uh, a, a, a money heist kind of thriller. But when my son was born at around nine months old, I was looking to pen something different. And I, and one piece of advice was I was given was, you know, write what you know. And I know what it's like not to have a father and to be one. So I wanted to, to capture all the advice I, I received and put it in a book that's really written for how men consume advice content, which is quick and succinct and to the point.
0: yeah. Because sometimes men um, not to throw any shade, sometimes they just don't like reading books and they rather yeah. watch it in a movie or pop in some AirPods and listen while they're working out or whatever the case may be. So whenever you began to survey different um males, how did you come up with the process? And did you have like a rhyme or reason on who you were going to interview for the book?
1: Um what I did is is I interviewed Three different, one couple and and two other um, experts. One was a stay-at-home dad because I wanted to get his perspective and his family history is is rich and fantastic. Um, I also interviewed my mentor in uh, the corporate world who was able to balance work and life, family life, much more effectively than anyone I ever met. So I wanted to get, you know, how his executive experience, how did he manage that with children? And then I interviewed two dads. I wanted to get... um, provide and shed light on what it's like to be a same-sex couple raising kids the challenge they have and to also kind of a nod to progressivism to make sure that when you read this book you kind of walk in their shoes and you can feel what it's like in their world and those help to kind of enrich the book which is advice that i've gotten from everyone my mother-in-law friends kids uh, parents growing up you name it It all got in there and then it got condensed and put in a manner where each chapter is only one to two pages and gives a quick tip.
0: Wow, that is really condensed. Whenever you said one to two pages, my eyes lit up because that is very like straight to the point. And then just a wild card question here. Did you ever send your father a copy of the book so he could see it from your perspective?
1: Oh, great question. He passed away in 2012. A year before my son was born and then I started pending the book in twenty sixteen. So I never got to see it. And uh it's it's a shame and but it's you know, it is it is what it is. There's nothing I could change about
0: it. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry for your loss. It's oh, never you. easy losing a father. I just lost my dad. It'll be two years this November. Um so whenever you think about where you are now with the book and you think about your son, Connor, has he read your book and given you any thoughts from a child's perspective?
1: Yeah, he read the first six chapters, which sounds like, wow, he's read six chapters. He read 11 pages. Um, so he didn't get that far. But that's that's how men consume content. They do, they want quick and succinct. And he was a little saddened because I was totally upfront um, in the the first part of the book is called your foundation. And it really addresses, let's get it on the table. Let's get that subject of of your absent father on the table. And the entire book's not devoted to that, but it gets into some rough subjects. My son read that and felt so bad for me. I'm like, don't feel bad. It's going to be fine. It's that honesty. I think in the front of the book gives opens guys up to receiving advice and understanding that you're not alone. There's 19 million men according to the US census that were raised in the absence of a father that are entering their parenting years now?
0: Yeah, I I think my husband falls into that category. Well, him and his dad are building their relationship now. So it was like, his mom raised him and his aunts and stuff and and his uncles and then his dad wasn't there but his dad was very much alive and then whenever he was a teenager he rekindled that with his father which is good because some men never rekindle a relationship and then now into the adulthood as we're getting ready to build um our family i'm like our daughter will only have one grandfather now since my dad passed away and he was very much involved in my life. So I like having these conversations because I don't know what it's like to have an absent father, but if I could shed some light on it, it it can help somebody put together the pieces or answer some questions that they may have circling around in their head because it's nothing against you and you're not the reason why your father's not there. So I feel like some of these, kids and not just kids kids young adults and adults hold this resentment in their in their heart against that male figure that leaves them and they never get over it and they wonder why they have traumas and underlying conditions in their adulthood so let's talk about psychology in a sense here do you ever encourage some of the men that now come into your world who don't have a father? to seek help from a paid and trained professional, like a psychologist, a therapist, or et cetera, to unlock some of those roadblocks that they may be harboring.
1: Sure. You know, I'll, I'll get, to, get to that. But the one thing I, I to get back to is, is it's fantastic when you're a new father and you embrace it and you do better for your kids than your dad did for you. It is the most, it is pure redemption in the grand scheme of things. It is, when you grind it out with the sleepless nights, and you're there, and you're bonding with your kid, the payoff down the road when you have an everyday interaction with your child is so rewarding. And on a lot of levels, it actually doesn't bury, but it, when you're replacing negative memories with much more positive ones, when you're there for your child, so I I wish you and your husband all the success in the world as parents. I think it's wonderful. I think your your husband's going to be so stoked. When he's a little older and he's like involved, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And if his dad's there, that's fantastic. It's wonderful, and the the fact that he rekindled that relationship is so valuable. And I applaud him for that. As far as professional help, I advocate that um, uh, consistently throughout the book. If your marriage is in the trouble, if you have to go find help, your wor- your marriage is worth preserving for the benefit of your children, um, and if. There's nothing more healthy if you have these fears, anxieties of talking to a professional about your absent father and now you're going to be one. I think there's, it's so rewarding because you will learn more about yourself in those sessions and it all comes back to your family, all back to your upbringing. And it also, that, count, that, that counterbalances what you have in front of you, which is you have a new child and you have a chance to start new. Every child is, is a clean slate when they're born into this world.
0: Absolutely. And I think more men that are able to have the conversation with another male figure or a paid and trained professional, it helps them bring things into context and understand it. And sometimes it's hard to talk to a man, a man, like from a woman's perspective, because we don't know how they feel. And, you know, men like to compartmentalize things. And I like to say women are like noodles. I didn't come up with that. I've heard someone say that. And I was like, it's so true. Because they don't want to talk about, you know, certain things because they don't want to show a sign of weakness or vulnerability, when in actuality, I think it's your strength that is helping you get to the other side, because you're becoming a better man for the woman in your life, for the Mm -hmm. children in your life, and future generations to come, just by opening up and saying, you know, I hurt just like you heard. There are certain things that are going on that I'm trying to get over. You don't have the answers to everything. And that's okay because we're all human, you know?
1: Yep. I agree. Yeah. So that's, it's when you get into the habit of of expressing how you feel as a man, it solves a lot of problems because otherwise it can come off as anger, it can come across as bitterness or nothing. And there's no communication. And that's a time bomb. You got to like get your feelings out there. So I, I, Encourage men to do that. And, and I do that so in the book.
0: Absolutely. Do you think, um, well, not do you think about, have you thought about coming up with a workbook to go along with the book as a parallel? Whereas men or even women who are reading the book, they could like journal out some questions that they have or some tactics that they want to apply in their life to reach out to some of the men that have walked out?
1: Well, that's a, a great question. So, and In the book, what I actually do is I address the fact that when dads aren't raised without a father, if you look at the role models in your life that you were raised with and you look at, regardless if it's your mom, which is probably the number one person you're going to go to, but other people that were inspirations, teachers, scout leaders, uh, community leaders, and reach out and talk to them and get into their values and really kind of pinpoint like what you liked about them that you can espouse yourself as a parent to your child. It'll make you a stronger parent, but it will also, it'll give you a boost of confidence that look, you're not alone in this and you can cull together some great wisdom that you can apply yourself.
0: Mm. Yes, very much true, because conversations need to be had and reflection. It's so important to take time to reflect, because I think reflection is part of that growth journey. And I like that you have a section of that in the book where they could do that and just really read the book, but then take what they've read and apply it. Yeah,
1: that whole book is centered on that. It's real world advice, everything from financial advice when you're trying to get a foundation for yourself and, and your in your family to managing in laws, managing inter family relationships, which is the the number one blind spot for men who are raised in the absence of a father. They do not they don't see different families intermingling and in managing that process, and it's it's going to be a thorny road. So there's advice in there for that as well.
0: So let's spend some time there because you bring up a very good point there Um, because sometimes they don't see the value of like doing all these family activities if they've never been in a position of doing it themselves. So it's like foreign to them and they're like, why do you have to do that? And I feel like sometimes that could create a rift in the marriage. If the, your wife, your partner, or however you address um, your other Person in your life is spending more time with their family and they don't have that dynamic. So, can you talk about it maybe from your personal standpoint, Kendall, or maybe some of the people you have interviewed in your book?
1: Yeah, happy to. So, the one thing I look at and advise guys is when you're doing family events and you're getting together, uh, is to keep an open mind, keep things as civil as possible. If you have relatives that have made a transgression in the past, forgive them, start anew when the child is born. But I think family gatherings, the more people you have involved in your child's life, the more love they're going to have, uh, the more warmth, the more comfort. And that's critical, I think, in terms of of providing that child with what is a sense of family. And it's your obligation as a parent to give that to them as much as possible. So even if you have quirky in-laws that may drive you a little bit nuts, you have to work through that yourself because it benefits your child. And you also, I give advice in the book where, you know, if you... If your wife plans like a five day road trip or a five day stay with your in laws, you got to give yourself a break and you got to take a pause, either taking a drive, limiting your time uh, to a certain amount of time with your in laws if it's that stressful. Like I talk about real world examples where if you need some practical advice in managing those situations, you can do so with diplomacy.
0: Oh, my gosh, I'm over here processing. I thought I was on mute. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) so you could do that with diplomacy and then just giving yourself time to kind of just understand what's what's happening there, but then also taking a break so you could kind of recharge and tap back in, you know. To the activities, because sometimes people will just go along with the flow and their body language says it all like I don't want to be here, they put a wall up and if you have that, then you're pushing away those in laws from interacting with you. And then they may feel like, you know, you feel like you're too good to be involved in their family when in actuality, they don't really understand that maybe it's hard for you to be at a function because you've never had that dynamic in your own life. And you're just trying to tread lightly, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you have to give yourself some space to adapt and grow into it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not going away. It is not going away. And you've got to find, and I think you'll find people in in, in your in your uh, family of in-laws that you can bond with, you can connect with, and it, it takes time. But you also, you have to be honest with yourself as far as like, look, this is a new dynamic I need to learn. And then again, there's limits. Like it, there's, I, I met one dad, and this is advice in the book where his wife wanted to go and spend four days with her family. And he said, okay, that's great. I'll stay for two full days. I'm out. Like it's it's driving distance. Stay with them. I don't want to give. I don't want to deny... He did not want to deny his wife time with her family, which is great. And I guess he had the these in laws were quirky. I'm not sure, but he said, "Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave after a couple of days, and I'll see you when you get home." And it worked out well. Um, so it's it's just one of these ways you can still be diplomatic, be involved in the family, but not have to do everything on your wife's terms and the same goes for your wife as well
0: so what he did in that incident incident was he set up boundaries boundaries for himself but then he also made his wife feel like he was supporting her, which he did. He supported her by going down there for two days and then he was seen and very much present, but then he left and allowed her the ability to spend time with her family. So whenever you and your wife first got together and Connor came into the picture, what was that dynamic like for you, Kendall?
1: Uh, We were so excited. We were so excited to um, welcome Connor to the world and uh, it's a wonderful moment. And in the, in the thrill of it, what you start to do is you start to build up kind of a, um, resistance to wear and tear. You kind of, you know, power through the, the challenging times. Our, our son was colic, had colic. So that was rough on us, but we, we worked through it together. The other thing is that when you get into parenting, um, you're going to hit, run into, into tough times and you have to get through it together. So, When you walk in the door, I advise dads, like take over the baby, like take it over, give your wife a break if she's a stay at home mom, if not, be involved with them actively, your your children actively to make sure that you're both managing the responsibility.
0: Any advice that you would give to um, a younger dad that is just starting off in fatherhood versus an older dad? Because you started off older, but there's a lot of people who are now having kids younger and a lot younger. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they feel like pawning off those kids on their parents. I'm like, your parents didn't make, make those kids. They're there to help you not right. take over.
1: I think two things. One is you're, you're, you have to embrace patience. You're going to be, as a young dad, you're going to be tried on a multitude of, of fronts. So, and also looking at in-laws that are willing to help, be grateful, thank them, like bring them over, prepare a meal if you can, is gratitude. I think the more you lend out um, or express your appreciation for them to give you free time, uh, they'll it'll be rewarded. You can't do it every single day. The other thing is if, when you get that free time, plan it, like go on a date, go out on a date with your wife, like go out and enjoy your time. Or if you haven't been out with your boys in a while, like go out and have a fun night out and give yourself that, that, that release of tension and responsibility, but get back to business because you eventually you will harbor resentment. If you are always looking for people to, to take over parenting responsibilities of your own children.
0: Great advice. So patience. Continue to, you know, engage in the relationship, even though you have a child, make sure you're dating your other half and you're letting them know that I see you, I hear you, I love you, and I value you. Because sometimes people, once they have that bundle of joy, they feel like that bundle of joy is their sole um, focus and responsibility, which he or she is, but also connecting with your mate is also important as well. And there has to be a balance and boundaries there. Yeah. And then I also like the fact that you said, you know, do something nice, like go out with your boys or let her go out with her girls or, yeah. you know, just change it up a little bit. And then I really like the gratitude piece. You have to thank people who are there for you their support as your support system, because sometimes they may feel like I'm doing it all and I'm not even being thanked for what I'm doing and I'm not obligated to do this. I choose to do it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that.
0: So as we wind down, Kendall, I want you to leave our listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. What do you want them to do once they hear this? Like, Pick up a copy of the book, listen to some other podcasts or you know, challenge where they are in their fatherhood journey.
1: I would say that that when you pick up a copy of Rookie Father, it is written specifically for a new dad and the advice he can use in all aspects of his life. And it's short, succinct, and informative advice that can be applied to everyday situations. As far as advice goes, you need a lot of it when you're a new parent. Babies don't come with manuals, so you got to get involved. I would reach out to anyone you admire who's a parent um, and then again, I think listening to podcasts, I think picking up advice books outside of my own, that could be helpful. Um, but the number one thing for you to do is to embrace fatherhood. You're, you're a student all over again. And the quicker you can absorb that advice and also have the wisdom to know what's good advice and what's not, that will help you in your journey to becoming a successful parent.
0: Yes. And I love the fact that you said babies do not come with manuals. It's so true. It's child by error. And another thing that I would say is, Never compare yourself as a father with other fathers because you don't know what their dynamics are and you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. So give yourself grace and mercy as you're walking through this journey because it's new and enjoy every step of the way and don't try to rush through it is what I would add from a female perspective.
1: Yeah, no, that's healthy. I think it's also you're going to make mistakes. And I've had times where my I felt so humbled going to and having to apologize for my son for the way I handled the situation and it's it stinks it, but if you don't admit to it and you don't embrace the fact that you are human and to human is to errors like you will um do so and just admit it learn from it and grow and try to try different tactics try to get seek people out that could offer you wisdom and I think it, it will be helpful
0: Amazing, and thank you for adding that value there and another um, wisdom nugget. So Kendall, I want you to share how they could connect with you via your website if you have one and where you primarily hang out on social media.
1: Sure, happy to. Yeah, so Rookie Father went on sale um, in February and it's available at all major bookstores, uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It just went on sale at walmart.com, which is great, target.com, Um, You could also go to your local bookstores there. It's available nationally. Social media. um, I have a website that is therookiefather.com. And then you could look for The Rookie Father on Instagram, on Facebook, and I'm also on Twitter at Author Kendall. And my email, it's it's therookiefather at gmail.com. I welcome any and all feedback.
0: And there you have it, listeners and viewers. You just heard Kendall Smith, author of The Rookie Father. I encourage you to go out and grab a copy of this book, share it with some new fathers in your life, or if you're a new father, grab that book and learn and grow because um, tips are always there to be given. But what are you doing with those tips? Are you applying it? And are you ha- giving yourself grace and mercy? I also challenge you to share and subscribe this. Um, To this segment, we're on 40 plus platforms. We also have our video component available on YouTube at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, we're currently looking for brand sponsors. Space is limited, but we are currently ranked in the top 3% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. And you can find out more information about plugging in by heading to my website, which is GenesisAmarisKemp.net and clicking the tab for podcast and you'll find all info there. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and go take the challenge. Be great. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Camp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with g e n e s i s Amaris camp a m a r i s kemp k e m p at gmail.com where your brand your swag your services to be here on gems podcast